Now, follow with me, if you will. We're going to read um, perhaps the longest passage in the New Testament concerning the issue of marriage. So you follow as, as I read that which is inspired, inerrant, infallible, the very mind of God as black words on a white page. Here we go. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church, However, let each of each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. I always like to start my Mother's Day sermons with a couple of qualifications. First of all, guys, um, Mother's Day is not a happy day for everybody. It is, by and large, in the main, a very happy day, but not for everybody. There are there are all kinds of reasons. Uh, I can think of a half a dozen reasons why uh, this might be a hard day for you. And I, I just want you to know that I know that. I, I'm very sensitive to that. Uh, it's very understandable that this might not be as... Um, Happy a day for you as it is, or, or it may be for others. The other qualification is this. I end up um, on Mother's Day always talking about marriage. <laughs> now, why is that? Let, let, let me, again, it might just be my, my twisted and perverted mind, but, but uh, here's the way I think. To, uh, to say mother is to imply family. Right. And to say family is to imply marriage. Is that not right? Did I miss something? I mean, is, is there some flaw in my logic here? And if so, I'm sure you'll tell me after the end of the service and, and, and I will be more than happy to listen. But that's why I, I race to marriage, because you might not know this, but the Bible speaks very rarely uh, to the whole issue of mom or motherhood. It does address it, but it speaks far more 
on the subject of family and marriage, and consequently, it's um, it's it's it dominates the, the Old and New Testament more so than does a Father Day or a Mother Day, something like that. Now, guys, um, I have been in the ministry. I've been ordained in the ministry. I, of course, had to precede that with seminary, but I have been ordained in the gospel ministry. It'll be 35 years in June. And over the course of those 35 years, I have done a few weddings. Um, In the next 28 days, I will do four weddings. Um, Now, I don't know how other people do it. Uh, You know, I'm sure every preacher has their own little style of of things, but here's the way I do it. Prior to those weddings, I require a mandatory three-session premarital counseling. Three sessions, premarital counseling. And um, in in session number two, in, in, in the second of those three sessions, there is an assignment. And the assignment consists of three questions. The third question in that assignment, in session two, goes like this. They have to do this before they come into my office. You know, we talk about what they write and all that business. The second, the, the, the third question in session two is, describe the role of a husband and a wife in marriage. Even the question is offensive, at least to to many. Assigned roles? What are you talking about? I mean, listen, Dr. Young, (laughs) we understand that you're a little old. And um, you probably don't get it. But Dr. Young, in marriage these days... I mean, in some marriages, the husband pays the bills, but in other marriages, the wife pays the bills. In some marriages, the wife does the cooking, and in other marriages, the husband does the cooking. You see, Dr. Young, we, we, we work through this, and, and we come to our own roles. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this may surprise you, but I could not agree more. Of course, that happens. But that's not what I'm talking about. Those are duties. I'm talking about roles. And so in response to my second, my third question in session two, I get these Lengthy, flowery, intricate paragraphs about cooperation and and mutuality and and all that, and and it's quite fine, but it's not what I'm looking for. Actually, I'm I'm looking for a couple of words. Just a couple of words, you know, you don't have to write a paragraph. Just give me a couple of words. Because the husband's role 
is to love. That's all I need. A husband's role is to love. And we're going to talk about that, but not today. We're going to talk about that on Father's Day. Actually, I wish I could talk about that first, but the calendar doesn't permit me to talk about husbands first. I get to husbands in June. So the assigned role, according to Ephesians 5, to a husband is that is that he loved. That he loved his wife as Christ loved the church. We're going to talk about that later. But the assigned role to a wife is to submit. And when I say that, all of the air kind of leaves the room. You know, kind of like, kind of like all the air just left this room when, when I said that, that, that word. Now guys, interestingly, um, the older I get, the, um, the more infrequent are the prospective brides who come into my office and know that their assigned role is to submit. And if they do know it, um, they're very uncomfortable discussing it. You know, they, they, um, they, 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 they say the word and then they kind of, you know, they're, they kind of squirm and, you know, they, you lose eye contact and, and they stutter and, and, um, they just can't quite get themselves to own this word. And in some instances, to even say it. And so, um, and then on rare occasions, I, I deal with some prospective brides who are downright hostile. Now, guys, none of that surprises me or offends me or angers me. Because we live in a culture where submission is an incendiary term. If you go on to the, go on to any college campus and mention that word, they will darn near lynch you. And um, I want to give you an illustration of that. Um, I found this this week in the commercial appeal. Um, the commercial appeal, for all of those of you who don't take it, is the is the local newspaper. I know you all read online now, but I, being the dinosaur that I am, I still take the paper. And um, one day I might not, but I'd still do at the moment. And this article was in the paper, and I'm going to read you the whole article. Now, guys, I know that it's not good pedagogy to read to people. But I think you're going to find this... Um, not just interesting, but downright entertaining. At least I did, um, but I'm perverted in that kind of way. Okay, are you ready? I simply said that if you use 
The term submission on any college campus, they'll darn near lynch you. I thought the poor guy would have to escape out the back door after he asked a question that rattled a room full of opinionated women. His remarks came during a conversation on relationships held recently at the University of Mississippi. About 40 people, half of them men and half women, participated in the informal session where students and faculty met after hours to have a scholarly debate on topics like infidelity, interracial dating, and divorce. The poor guy talked about his own messy divorce and then suggested that the divorce rate would decline if wives started submitting to their husbands again. A collective gasp swept through the room, which prompted him to ask, Is submission a dirty word? The other men fell silent as a group of women gave him a merciless tongue lashing and a lesson on chauvinism. After watching his opponents verbally outbox him for a few rounds, I felt compelled to step in the ring and come to his defense. Now, may I say, just to interrupt for a moment, if this is one of my friends, I don't need enemies. The author of this article steps in the ring to help this poor slob, and she says this. It's okay for a woman to submit to a man, if that's what she wants to do, I said. But submission is a lifestyle choice, not a requirement. I actually find it refreshing to let someone else take the lead in personal affairs after constantly jockeying for position in the professional world. However, I follow only God on blind faith. Everyone else must prove worthy of my devotion. All too often, heterosexual men who want to be the head of households are not competent enough to head up a bake sale. These delusional men have several flawed characteristics. Well, say. They are not dependable and never finish a task or deliver on a promise. They are chronically unemployed or always in their own personal recessions. They are unfaithful and would rather chase bar bait then honor their vows of commitment to their wives. Bar bait was a new term to me. I, I, uh, <laughs> I kind of, um, and they have a history of making bad decisions, which is evident by criminal records, bankruptcies, liens, wage garnishments, addiction, and orders of protection against them. <laughs> now, ladies. If you are prone to marry somebody like this, <laughs> then you deserve whatever it is that you're going to get. But she goes on. For these fellows, 
it is probably wise that they find women who will steer the ship and lead them in the right direction. I'll say. I mean, I, I can buy that. Um, whether in the home or in the boardroom, real leaders inspire confidence and obedience because they have a record of making sound decisions during times of comfort and times of crisis. No matter the gender, I do not consider it beneath me to submit to a pastor, boss, or spouse who repeatedly demonstrates integrity, insight, compassion, and composure because obedience is the ultimate sign of respect. At the end of our robust discussion on obedience and submission, the poor guy made another hairy remark and it became clear why his ex-wife chose not to follow his lead. He said to, the, to this woman who wrote this article, who was in the, she, he says, Hey, Miss Submissive, with a Cheshire cat grin, I bet your man is very happy. I promptly replied, My name is Catherine, and please don't be confused. I will never be submissive to you. Guys, it's hard to stand up here and say what I want to say when um, when that is the cultural norm. And it is so full of error. And, um, and I assure you, guys, that the brides who sit in my office are far more schooled in that than they are in what I'm about to say and, and, and what the Bible has to say. When these little brides sit in my office and I tell them what I think marriage should look like, it is, it is completely out of step with their culture. Dr. Phil does not agree with pretty much anything I say. And this poor little couple has been inundated with nothing but cultural bias, prejudice, and falsehood. None of that surprises me. It doesn't make me mad. Um, because very frankly, a lot of the blame is to be laying at the feet of the church. But a whole lot more of the blame is to be laid at the feet of men. Um, you know, I often see men who were married to far more capable women than they racing to Ephesians 5.22 and swinging it wildly um, and, and acting like little potentates um, trying to produce some kind of despotic role for themselves. They... they um, They act like little autocrats under the guise of biblical headship. And the church has, has looked the other way while men tried to, um, 
redefine their roles. I don't know who I should address. Gentlemen or ladies, what they've done is confuse repression with submission. And then they wonder, why are things so tense? Well, guys or ladies, listen, I, I don't blame you for hating that. I hate that too. Um, biblical submission looks nothing like repression, though our culture seems to have a difficulty in, in telling the difference between those two. And may I point out also, according to this article, this, this, this author, this lady, is equating obedience to submission. That's not true either. Submission is not obedience. But ladies, listen to me. Do you really think... Do you really think that God would give you a role that would ultimately hurt you? Do you really think that God would go out of his way to assign you a role that would harm you? Then I, then I, then I, I really have not much for you. Because your whole view of God is so, um, is so skewed. My job this morning is to, is to try and sort through some of this stuff. To, um, I, I explain. And then next week, we're going to do it again. I'm a brute for punishment, but, um, we're going to come back and look at motives next week. Motives as to, as to the why. Um, the, why we ought to be engaged in the biblical pursuit of biblical roles. Now let's, let's do three quick things and I'll quit. First of all, is this whole idea of submission just an anachronism? First of all, I, I have to define the word anachronism. Do you know what an anachronism is? An, an anachronism is something or someone that is chronologically out of place. That is something that may have been appropriate in an earlier period, but is not appropriate now. It's, it's outdated or it's outmoded. You know, um, a phone booth is an example of an anachronism. Those were appropriate one time. They're not needed anymore. Is that what this is? Is, um, is biblical submission just an anachronism? Well, guys, that's one of the objections that I hear often from people inside the church, uh, that this, that this whole, this is a cultural thing. You know, it was a first century issue, and it's no longer binding for us. Paul here is is elevating men and, and diminishing women. So just ignore it. We, we do things differently now. Guys, in reply, first of all, do you know what a low view of Scripture that is? Not to mention... How dangerous it is. Dangerous in this sense. What else from here would you like to write off as just being cultural and therefore worthy of your ignoring it? And I hope to show you in a minute that, that such a notion is absolutely ruinous. We'll see that in a second. But So first of all, that's a real low view of scripture. Secondly, guys... Paul's culture accused him of exactly the opposite 
of what our culture accuses him of. Our culture, the 21st century culture, accuses him of elevating men and diminishing women. His culture accused him of just the opposite, of elevating women and diminishing men. Here's, here's how. When he said to a man, love your wife, what he in essence is doing is equating her with, uh, with a man. That she's not simply chattel, that she is to be loved. Secondly, it was the Apostle Paul, ladies and gentlemen, in Galatians chapter 3, who says there's neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, bond nor free. There's, there's no longer to be any gender distinctions. Equal footing. Guys, Paul's culture treated women as property. It is Paul who points out that God has created a brand new society, eliminating all those gender barriers. So, you can stop your Paul bashing, and, and not only that, I want to suggest to you folks that this is not culturally obsolete. In fact, it's the only blueprint available that makes marriage what it's supposed to be. Secondly, what is it that makes a, a marriage a Christian marriage? Is it because we pray at meals together? You know, somebody at the table says the blessing. Or is it because we all as a family sit together on the same pew and on Sunday mornings? Or maybe it's because, uh, you know, we've got cross-stitch Bible verses hanging on our walls inside the house. All of those are good things, guys, but that's not what makes a marriage a Christian marriage. What does is this. It's an eagerness on both parts, that is husband and wife, to emulate the roles that have been given to them by God through his word. And in our assuming those roles, we are seeking to illustrate Christ's relationship to his bride, the church, which we're going to look at more next week. You know, one preacher, <clears throat> one preacher calls marriage gospel reenactment. I love that. I didn't pursue much more, but I love that, that marriage is gospel reenactment. That we are assuming roles given to us so that we might illustrate, that we might live out Something that would reflect Jesus Christ's relationship to his bride. Guys, um, if that is true, then what are the roles? If Christian marriage is an eagerness to play those roles assigned, then what are the roles? Well, I've already said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and we'll look at that on Father's Day, Lord willing. Wives. Submission. Submission. Guys, submission is a voluntary yielding. A voluntary yielding or granting of leadership to my husband. Not to all men, but to one man, my husband. A voluntary granting of leadership to my husband. Now... Having said that, let's talk about it. I want you to notice first, ladies, that verse 22 is addressed directly to you. It is not addressed to your husband. Well, what does that mean? Well, notice, it, it, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, men, 
See to it that your wives submit. Gentlemen, it is not our job to force submission. <clears throat> this is addressed directly to women because it is a voluntary yielding. This is a woman's voluntary act, not one forced on you by a bigger, stronger male. If, gentlemen, we have to demand it, then it's all lost. I think I've said this before, but my wife's sitting right there. She can verify. We'll be married 40 years in July. Do you know how many times I've used the word now? Okay, Susie, you're going to have to submit on this. Do you know how many times I've used that sentence in our marriage? Not one. Not one time in 40 years of marriage. Guys, um, a woman is no slave. She's a free spirit who voluntarily plays a role. And if a husband has any sense at all, he will seek to draw her near and make her his most trusted counselor. You know, Peter, in, in one of his epistles in the back of the New Testament, pleading with husbands, defines my wife or defines a wife. He defines her like this. Listen to this. She is an heir with you of the grace of life. That's 1 Peter 3, 7. She is an heir with you in the grace of life. He doesn't say treat her as if she is an heir. He says she is. She is an heir with you. She's in this with me. Not as a combatant. Not as an employee. But as an heir. With me. A co-equal. Now ladies, if you have slept through everything else I've said to this point, wake up long enough to hear this, because this is critical. Ladies and gentlemen, submission is a term of order and nothing else. That's all. It's a term of order. Guys, the real hatred of this word, I think, is due to the fact that you miss what I just said. That submission is a term of order. It's not a term that describes value. It's not a term that describes worth. Folks, there is an equality of worth. But that does not mean that there is an identity in roles. There is an equality of worth. And anyone who misses that is going to damage this glorious assignment given to women. It is not a term about value. It is a term about order. Now, to illustrate, you've got to get this. You've got keep your, your fingers there, or you can just leave that passage and go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. I want to read you one brief verse. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Are you there? you got to see it. 
Paul says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Gang, do you see that? Ladies, you have a head. Not, 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 not this. You have a, a leader. And guess what? So does Jesus Christ. Jesus displayed submission long before Paul wrote Ephesians 5.22. Jesus has equal worth, equal value, equal identity with the Father. But he voluntarily plays a submissive role to the Father. It is a submission to equals. Listen to me, ladies. If the common 21st century college campus definition of submission is overlaid on 1 Corinthians 11.3, the whole doctrine of the Trinity comes unraveled. You would introduce Trinitarian chaos if you undo the sense of the word submission and misunderstand it to be something other than a term of order. Did you get that? You take this lady's view of submission and you try to fit it on here. And you have destroyed the Trinity. You create Trinitarian chaos just like we have created marital chaos. It's a term of order, ladies. That's all. It has nothing to do with dignity. It has nothing to do with worth. It has nothing to do with value. We have equal all of that. We have a different role. Folks, leadership in any institution requires order. Requires a division of labor. And an ordered equality. You know, I've said this before, but, but I love to think of marriage as a dance. The symmetry of a dance. Ladies, let me ask you this. Just me and you. You know, eye to eye. When you go on the dance floor with a man, and he leads you in some kind of dance step, do you hate that? Huh? Do you hate that? Why, no, Dr. Young, I don't hate that. I mean, uh, I mean, he's supposed to lead out there and dance for Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he doesn't, you both look stupid. And you'll probably never go on another dance floor again with the bozo. It's just a term of order. 
somebody has been assigned a role to lead in the the middle dance steps. Ladies, why do you hate that? Why? Jesus didn't hate it and needed it to the Father. What's unappealing about it? I don't get it. I don't get it, ladies and gentlemen. I think, in my mind, if Satan could do anything to disrupt the world, he could disrupt families. He could disrupt the home. And you know how he chose to do it? I'm guessing off of this, but he just chose to make everybody hate a term after he redefined it. This lady thinks that submission means obedience. It doesn't mean that, for heaven's sake. I don't blame you for hating that. It doesn't mean that. It's a term of order. Guys, why has it become such a battleground? I'll tell you why it became a battleground. It's called Genesis chapter 3. You don't need to turn. But you know what Genesis 3 is. You got Genesis 1, you got Genesis 2, creation, uh, everything is unparalleled beauty. And then you come to chapter 4, and there's just. The thing comes unraveled. Where did all the pain come from? The pain came from Genesis 3 when sin entered. And I want to read you one statement that God makes in Genesis 3. This is verse 17. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife. She usurped and he capitulated. And the result is gender wars. Tell me, has, um, has your home survived the effects of the fall? Folks, Christian marriage is a mutual commitment on the part of both husband and wife to self-renunciation. An absolute equality on the part of both of them. but having been assigned different roles. Guys, only the gospel, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can overturn the effects of sin in a marriage. It is Jesus Christ in all of his beauty that overturns the effects of the fall in your home. Anything short of that and I pity you. At least I pity your marriage. You have introduced a lifetime 
of unnecessary strife. Because you have refused to play roles assigned to you by a God who loves you. Only Jesus Christ can overturn the effects of the fall. Do you know him? Our Father, I do pray that you will use my simple thoughts to um, to stir your people, not to some kind of um, some kind of marital battle, but to some kind of marital sweetness that you might allow all of us to see that the institution that you provided, that you engineered, is one gone wrong. Not because the institution was wrong, but because we've chosen to redefine it. So, Lord, might knowledge of Jesus Christ and his sovereign rulership over our lives enable us both to find yielding to him our great delight. And might it start... in our homes. Do that, Father, for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray.